Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode of Thor Podcast. Today we have SEC charging Ether Delta founder for operating an unregistered exchange. We got Coinbase Blue App adding BAT. And then finally, in our main topic, we're discussing Bitcoin 21 million. What does that mean? What are you talking about, Car? Well, I'm talking about scarcity. And there's a lot more than just that. Through a podcast starting now. Welcome to Thriller with Car Gonzalez. Broadcasting from Austin, Texas. Via SoundCloud and supported by listeners like you. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode of Thriller Podcast. Today is November 8th, 2018. Let's jump into the news. So the SEC charges Ether Delta founder with operating an unregistered exchange. That's right. Zachary Corborn, the founder of Ether Delta, has been fined. According to the SEC's order, the Ether Delta is an online platform for secondary market trading of ERC-20 tokens, a type of blockchain-based token commonly used for ICOs. The order found that Coborn caused Ether Delta to operate as an unregistered national securities exchange. They go on to say that Ether Delta provided a marketplace for bringing together buyers and sellers for digital asset securities through the combined use of an order book, a website that displayed orders, and a smart contract run on Ethereum blockchain. Ether Delta's smart contract was coded to validate the order messages, confirm the terms and conditions of orders, execute paired orders, and direct the distributed ledger to be updated to reflect a trade. They, con- they did this over an 18-month period where the users were executing more than 3.6 million orders for ERC-20 tokens. The co-director of the SEC's enforcement division, Stephanie Avakin, said that EtherDelta had both the user interface and the underlining functionality of an online national securities exchange and was required to register with the SEC or qualify for an exemption. She also said that we are witnessing a time of significant innovation in the securities markets with the use and application of distributed ledger technology. But to protect investors, this innovation necessitates the SEC's thoughtful oversight of digital markets and enforcement of existing laws. Without admitting or denying the findings, Coborn consented to the order and agreed to pay $300,000 in disgorgement, plus $13,000 in prejudgment interest, and a $75,000 penalty. The commission's order recognizes Corbin's cooperation, which the commission considered in determining not to impose a greater penalty. Overall, if you go to Ether Delta right now, it's still up. You know, I did give my unfiltered version uh, through Instagram Live today when I found this out. Um, as I had time to think about it, I, I realized that um, it probably wasn't well thought out. <laughs> but now, you know, I, I come to realize that the Wild West of crypto is over with. Um, it's done. It's been done since May, right? And also, this is kind of sad because I feel like innovation and creativity, because these people that code this stuff are creatives, right? I mean, it, we're getting a barrier now. Um, before all of this, before the SEC actually got involved, people were able to create whatever they wanted. It was the free internet, right? Um, that's coming to an end. To an end. Uh, it, it sucks because uh, all the 
creative people out there that want to code what they want and, and do what they want because it's cool or they, they think it's, it's needed in the space. Um, they just do it. Right. And that's by them putting a barrier like this for anybody that has an idea for a smart contract or what it could do. Now they're going to have to look to the SEC for guidance on, okay, if I create a smart contract and I do this, um, is that okay? You know, and that's not what innovation is about. That's not what creativity is about. When you're being creative and you're creating something, you're creating something because you have uh, an idea and you want to bounce on that idea. But um, I totally understand where the SEC is coming from. They see it from a, you know, a regular consumer investor's perspective. But I will say a lot of people make it a lot of money through Ether Delta. And a lot of those people were regular consumers. I have yet to meet anybody that's used Ether Delta that actually lost money. But, you know, crypto was one of those things in the early days where everybody had to fend for themselves and understand this stuff. And you really got return on how much you put in to learning it and how much you put into actually researching everything. Right. So I feel like most regular people that were using Ether Delta um, had some kind of uh, idea of what it was. And they also knew what they were doing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you have to have a MetaMask or certain things, certain barriers of entry that you have to know before you just go on there and just start trading willy nilly. You're not going to, you're not going to, you're going to do your due diligence. So I will say on that kind of aspect of it, I tend to think that um, the SEC is being a little naive when it comes to that. If I can say that, um, I think that they don't realize that there was a lot of people actually making a lot of money. And yeah, of course, there was ICOs that were pitching whatever said product that they were promising that never actually turned into a product that was happening. But to sit there and say that the people that invested in those projects are to blame. I don't know if I would say that. Uh, I feel like everybody is their own person. But then again, this, this is why they have regulations for for issues like this. But uh, yeah, it's a sad day. It's a sad day because, um, you know, we, we did a podcast on Ether Delta, you know, maybe about. Gosh, I want to say maybe about six months ago, whatever it was. And um, I really enjoyed doing a podcast on it. I really thought it was a really cool decentralized exchange. It kind of has me worried because I'm now wondering, like, if Stellar X is going to be like that. Uh, are they going to go after them? Are they going to go after like AirSwap? Are they going to go after different types of decentralized exchanges out there like DAP Radar? I don't know. Where's the line when you're trying to create something? Is it within the smart contract that the line is drawn or was it within somebody who's telling you about these decentralized exchanges like IDEX? I mean, you know, it's 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 very iffy. I mean, ultimately, at this point, we're basically looking to the SEC for anything when it comes to innovating in this space right now. Um, and it is what it is. Uh, let's get into our next <laughs> our next piece of news. Uh, sorry to bring you guys down on the, the beginning note, but it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I'm passionate for developers to create their own thing. I'm, I'm a creative person myself. If I want to make whatever I want to make, let me make it. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure uh, the founder of Ether Delta felt the exact same way. Um, so that's why that's why I believe in that so much. Coinbase users can now buy and sell Braves attention token. Woohoo! So crypto exchange Coinbase has added web browser Brave's basic attention token to its retail trading platform. That's right. The Coinbase Blue app after a week of Coinbase Pro action. The exchange announced on Thursday that it would buy, sell and trade. Otherwise, transact with the token on Coinbase.com. Blah, 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 blah. 
And then today uh, they just did it uh, 15 minutes. They literally went on Twitter and said, 15 minutes from now, we're going <laughs> to release bats on, you know, Coinbase Blue app. Uh, a lot of people are wondering, like, how do we know now? How are we supposed to know when a new coin is coming? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. If you actually pay attention to Coinbase, they will do a scheduled maintenance, um, or usually a week or two weeks before a new cryptocurrency gets released on their platform. They've done this for the past three, three or four, forget which, how many. So if you ever, if you ever, this is what I do. I actually turn on notifications for when Coinbase tweets anything. So uh, I get a notification, hey, Coinbase tweeted, this is what they tweeted, and it's kind of sad, but it's my due diligence for y'all. And um, so they'll say, schedule maintenance window between this time and this time. Usually a week or two weeks after that, they usually announce a cryptocurrency on that Thursday or Friday. Most of the time it's Friday, Crypto Friday. That's why I call it Crypto Friday. And then it'll, it'll get, it'll, they'll, they'll usually do an announcement of it. But lately what they've been doing is just saying, oh, Coinbase, uh, Coinbase Pro is going to have BAT or whatever uh, tomorrow or in an hour or 12 hours from now, you know, and then the price runs up. But that, that's what happens, right? But usually, you know, the first sign of it because of the schedule maintenance window. And they have to do that schedule maintenance window because if you know anything about servers, <laughs> if you know anything about how stuff interacts on a network, you have to make sure that you're prepared. And the only way you can make sure you're prepared if everything is offline. So <laughs> that's one of the good things about listening to Thrill Podcast. Car works in that field, so he knows. And then our final piece of news is Decentraland. They're introducing a virtual land mortgage. <laughs> That's right. So Decentraland is a virtual reality platform built on top of Ethereum network, making it possible for individuals, brands, and studios to develop rich, interactive 3D content hosted on a decentralized platform. Get it? Three Decentraland? Decentraland. Yeah, I'm sure you get it because we did a podcast on it. Yeah. So from now on, RCN and Decentraland users will be able to request on-chain mortgages. That's right. Immutable records of ownership through the Decentraland marketplace to purchase any land parcel posted for sale. And how it works is like this. So the purchaser simply has to complete a brief application form, including the transaction details, amount requested, duration, minimum interest amount, interest rate, punitive interest rate and expiration date and a deposit at least 10 percent of the total value of the parcel in question. Once a user requests a mortgage on Decentraland marketplace, a new loan is automatically published on the RCN DAP. As long as the parcel remains available on sale, any lender is able to lend funds and fulfill the request. This action creates a smart contract that locks the parcel and transfers the land's ownership to the borrower. And pretty cool. And the requester will immediately find a pay button on the Decentraland DAP. Once this user decides to repay the mortgage, she becomes allowed to demand the land's full ownership by using the claim feature on Decentraland DAP. So yeah, pretty cool. Very cool. I like it. With that, let's get into our interesting video of the day. Let's do it. Thriller podcast. Interesting crypto video of the day. All right. It's time for the interesting video of the day. What is it going to be? I bet you're wondering. I know. I know you're wondering. You're like, hey. What is it going to be today, Car? Well, it's actually from Zachary Corborn, the founder of Ether Delta. That's right. So he doesn't do any interviews. He really doesn't do any interviews, like at all. And I'm sure he's not going to do any interview if I email him right now and ask him. Um, yeah, I mean, he just spent half a half a million dollars. Um, but he has done one interview, and uh, we got the video of it. And I'm going to play it for you right now. And he talks about why he made Ether Delta and how he got into cryptocurrency. 
And like I said, like I said, in the beginning of the, of the, of the podcast, like he just had a creativity spark. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I guess I can give some of my background maybe to to start, um, sort of, uh, like the history of how I came into this is that, um, I was doing professional options market making for five years. Um, and you know, over that course of time, I kind of discovered what Bitcoin was and, um, and I, I saw that Ethereum was kind of taking it to the next level. And so I quit my job in the middle of, uh, 2015 and a few months later started doing, um, you know, Ethereum based, uh, projects full time. And that's sort of where this came out of. Yeah. So I was, um, working for a firm that basically provides liquidity to, um, options markets. And so in particular, uh, for most of my time there, I was trading S and P 500 options. And Mm -hmm. basically the idea is that, uh, at any given time, my company would be providing a, a bid price and an ask price for all of these options across different expirations. And as a trader, I was responsible for setting those prices and managing positions. Yeah, I remember seeing the Ethereum crowd sale um, and thinking, like, you know, that I definitely think the technology is important. I had been looking at some of the kind of Bitcoin offshoots and realized that it was necessary to do a more generic approach to the problem, which is what Ethereum did. Um, unfortunately, I did not buy into the crowd sale. I thought there were way too many people participating for it to be worth it, and <laughs> that was a big mistake. Yes. <laughs> so the the first thing I, I did when I started looking at developing for Ethereum was I was creating a poker application, and I, I didn't quite finish that, um, but it was a great um, you know first dive into Ethereum internals. And then I decided, well, you know, hey, I was an options trader and there's definitely an opportunity to create financial derivatives on Ethereum. So I created uh, an options market called Etheropt. It was built in an Ethereum smart contract and had a user interface similar to what EtherDelta does. And I ran that for a few months and wasn't really getting um, a lot of traction. It was sort of a matter of convincing people or finding the people who both knew about cryptocurrency and knew about options uh, was kind of a hard thing to do. Right. There, there were some diehard users, but it wasn't, um, you know, it was a far cry from the amount of traction that EtherDelta uh, is getting. And even on that time when EtherDelta was, you know, like tiny compared to what it is today, it was clear that the traction was going to be an EtherDelta instead of EtherOpt. Okay. So I sort of, the um, basically what the technology that was behind EtherOps um, kind of became EtherDelta. Um, you know, it was it's very similar constructs in terms of being able to uh, have have orders submitted off chain and then transactions settling on chain. Um, so, you know, I, I don't regret doing EtherOps because it, it really became what is now EtherDelta today. Um, so I spent, I think it was like April and May. Um, building EtherDelta, and then the first version launched in July of 2016, so a bit over a year ago now. Okay. And if you look back at the early version, like it looks very different than what you see today. Yeah, and you can tell, you know, just by him talking about it, like he's passionate about creating something. He was just so um, 
just so sparked by seeing Ethereum and the capabilities of it and smart contracts. And he just used the skill set that he had and he used what he thought was an appropriate course of action to, to move the, the space forward, right? And it was needed. It was definitely needed. Um, it just sucks that he got fined for it. But yeah, um, with that, let's go ahead and get into coin talk. I know this is what everybody wants to talk about today. What's the market looking like? What are we expecting this November, November, November? Well, we'll see. Coin talk, baby. Coin talk. Coin talk. Starting now. It is time. Only crypto, coins, trades, predictions ahead. It is what you spend all day wondering, isn't it? This crypto dream. gentlemen it's time for coin talk but before we jump right into it got a couple things a couple things a couple things no i want to get serious for a second seriously um i just found out today my brother is um his, his spinal cord is uh, messed up and um he's going through a lot right now so um i just want to everybody who's out there right now who's listening in your car or wherever you're listening right now if you could just throw positive vibes to Joey and just, you know, release that energy. I'm a big, I don't really talk about this much, but, you know, just a little bit more inside of who I am. I'm a big person who believes in energy and who believes in positive vibes, as you can tell. And and I just, I just really firmly believe that any kind of negative vibes or any kind of negativity that's around you or in your space can have a detriment, you know, to you psychologically, in your brain, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. And I'm a big proponent in believing that positive vibes and positivity really takes you very far in life. Um, I know there are certain people that don't believe that. I've come to believe it. Um, I'm a big believer in that. And um, right now, I want every single one of you, if you're listening right now, we can just throw positive vibes to Joey. And um, let's hope that he has a surgery. And let's hope that everything works out for the best. And, you know, one of the things I told him was like, you know, you just got to stay positive, man. I know it might look like everything's stacked against you right now and the odds are very slim. But if you really believe, if you really truly believe and you go with your heart and you go with your instincts and what your soul tells you, you'll be fine. So just want to say that. Uh, next thing I want to touch on was um, our Twitter follower account. So I think we're at 998 Twitter followers, which is crazy because <laughs> like I feel like when I first started this crazy podcast, um, I think we only had like 50 at one point or like 25. And there was a time where we had like 125 for a really long time, <laughs> for a really long time, like a really long time. It was just sad. It was sad. It was downright appalling. Yeah. And we used to, I used to always come on here and beg everybody to, to become a, a follower on our Twitter at Thriller Podcast. And um, I don't know what's happened, but it's starting to spike up and uh, we're about to cross the 1K area, and I think we're like two followers away. So if you're not following us on Twitter, hit us up at Throat Podcast. Another thing, too, is kind of growing that was very surprising that I never really thought would grow was Instagram. Turns out, old Thriller Car is getting pretty good at Instagram now. And that's growing, too, as well. I think we're at like 552 followers. 
And uh, that's all organic, man. There's no paid. There's, I trust me, all the money that I use, you know, for this podcast and just in general is either used on crypto, 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 food or clothing, pretty much, or rent or bills. You know what I mean? Like that, that's pretty much where it goes to or this podcast. Like, uh, so whenever I see like, you know, you can always tell who has like fake followers because they have like. 75,000 or like 100,000 or 200,000 and they have like two retweets <laughs> or like two likes but if you know you see the people that have like you know 100,000 or 200,000 and they have like 75 retweets and like 75 likes or something like that and you can tell who are actually who actually paid for their followers and who didn't and I'm so happy that we didn't have to pay for any of our followers or anything like that. Those are real people. Uh, I'm sure some of them are just like news sites or something like that, just trying to cover everything. But for the most part, those are real people and real people are following us. So it feels really good, you know, finally getting over, you know, 500 on Instagram and finally getting close to a thousand. So if you're not following us on, on Twitter, follow us. All right. And with that, let's go ahead and get into our disclaimer. We have to play the disclaimer now, man. The SEC is cracking down, man. They're cracking down on everybody. Soon they're going to go after crypto Twitter. Then they're going to go after crypto YouTube. They're going to go after crypto podcasts. Well, actually, they just went after Apple just went after crypto podcasts this week. And they're cracking down, man. They don't want this free knowledge to to get out there. And um, yeah, who knows? Who knows what they're thinking? I don't know. But I do know, you know, Act 1 was started in May. That was Act 1. Get rid of all these ICOs, right? Act 2 seems to be these exchanges are going after exchanges now they're going after decentralized exchanges act three it's probably us next who knows roll the disclaimer remember thriller podcast does not give financial advice he cannot tell the future even if he thinks can he is just some dude trying to save the world one satoshi at a time Yeah, we're definitely saving the world one Satoshi at a time. I definitely feel like we are, man. I feel like this whole space has come together. You know, it's weird. I was talking to several people on Twitter through DMs and you know, this is just this is just my observation. It doesn't mean that it's real or anything like that. But I notice like when it comes to like different different camps of of like cryptocurrencies, they fight with each other, right? And then you have you have a crypto Reddit. They fight with each other too, right? Like they'll jump on other people's subreddits and they'll fight with them or bash their coin. But then you look at something like the crypto YouTubers, like they don't fight with each other. Have you noticed that? They don't fight with each other. Or even crypto podcasts. Like we, we don't fight with each other. Crypto podcasts don't fight with each other. Um, and I started realizing like if the people that are creating these decentralized coins and, and these cryptocurrencies and these cool projects, if they were just able to, you know, work together, we would be so much stronger as a space. And what's going on right now is you have the SEC chomping everybody's legs off one by one, and they're going after individuals. And instead of all these, you know, blockchain projects coming together and creating some kind of consortium or, or, or something like that, right, and fighting back on this stuff, you're going to have stifled innovation. And this is going to continue to happen. So I really, really, if there's any blockchain developer that's listening right now, reach out to the person that's creating whatever coin that you hate. You're probably going to 
you know, take a piece of something that they're working on. If if every single cryptocurrency out there is trying to, you know, make a better Bitcoin, right? At least that's what you should be going for. Um, who knows if you'll succeed or not, but if that's your whole gamut, right? You should be reaching out to everybody and grabbing information from everywhere. Um, when When you really focus in on this and you really see exactly what everybody in this space is doing, if you if you really focus in on it and you, if you really realize that you're better off working with other people around you and, and you're better off grabbing ideas from all different places. And yeah, let me just get off my soapbox right there. But I, I just want to make sure that, you know, people understand that, that that's what like, the enemy has always been apparent in this space. And I don't have to say who the enemy is. You know who the enemy is, right? So it's always been apparent to every single one of us. If you go back and listen to old thriller podcasts, I always talk about who the enemy was. Back then I had no filter. Now I feel like I have a really good filter on, right? Um, for the most part. Um, but I will say, I will definitely just say like, everybody has the common, has the common enemy or know who the enemy is. And if you all band together as different blockchain projects and really, really help each other, I feel like everybody can move the space forward. Because I, I already know, I already see it from a lot of us that cover this space. We, we all know what, what needs to be done for the space to move forward. And we're doing it. We're living it, right? We're contributing to it. Anyways, let's get into the coin market. You guys are probably like, damn, car, what's up? What's up with you this week? What's up? What's up with you this week? I'm like, you know, you know, I don't know what it is. I, I think I think I'm I think this this whole crypto winter has really gotten me really hunkered down to my ideals and really sticking with them. Uh, it's it has done that. It makes you get down to the basics and it makes you get down to the fundamentals. Right. This is why we're covering more Bitcoin stuff lately, because you really want to really want to break down the fundamentals. This is why if you look at other YouTubers are covering Bitcoin a lot lately and they're trying to, you know, reteach the stuff, the stuff that we already know, but they're trying to reinvigorate this, this, this space. Right. And that's that's what I'm trying to do, too. Like, I'm trying to make you guys realize, like, why this is important, why we should be behind this and, and what exactly we're trying to accomplish. Right. Like, raise the flag up and speak the gospel. So anyways, I'll step down now. <laughs> CoinMarketCap is at $214 billion. That's right. So it dropped down $6 billion. It's not too bad. I wouldn't call that bad. You got Bitcoin at $6,443. You got Ethereum at $212. You got XRP at $0.49. Cents. XRP pulled back 7%. What do you expect? People have to make money these days any way they can. Bitcoin Cash, 572 bucks. We saw it at 640 It dropped back down 6%. We got EOS at $5.50. You thought I was going to say $550. No, $5.51. Stand down, EOS. So, so it's interesting. The only coin that's up in the top 20 right now. Oh, I take that back. Zcash is up. It's up 4%. It's at $135. So the only other coin is Stellar. Uh, it's at 26 cents right now and it's climbing. It's about to overtake EOS again at the number five spot. I think it's like a couple milli, a couple milli away from doing it, but it's up 2% today. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, when I saw the news of, of Ether Delta, I was very concerned for Stellar X um, because we know that the, um, the Interstellar is the one behind that uh, project. And um, a lot of the stuff that um because right now with with stellar you can create your own um you know 
You can create your own, you know, quote unquote ICO on Stellar if you wanted to. Anybody can. Their Smart Lens is a really good project. We got Mobius as well as a really good project. But there's some other projects that probably aren't really legit, right? But you can create those on Stellar's network and you can, you know, you can give those out or you can trade those out on, on this exchange that they built on, on the protocol level. And so what happens with that? Do they does the SEC go after those individual ICOs or do they go after the Stellar Foundation? Well, if they go after the Stellar Foundation, why aren't they going after Ethereum Foundation? Do you know what I mean? So it's 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 one of those things like what are they going to do? Like what's going to happen? And it sucks because they really shouldn't be able to do anything. If anything, you should go after the individuals who are creating the ICO. I don't think you should be going after the founders of these decentralized exchanges. They're all they're doing is is creating a, a project that they're passionate about. Yes, I understand they have a smart contract that you know sells this off-chain, on-chain transaction detail, recalling everything, but at the same time, you have to understand like somebody else is gonna build it. And if somebody else builds it next time, do they are they going to have to stay anonymous to build that? I don't know, man. I feel like they're doing whack-a-mole at this point. It, it, how many decentralized exchanges are you going to go after? And at, at a certain point, you're, you're, you're pretty much going to make people become anonymous whenever they're creating anything these days. And do you really want that? But I guess that's why Satoshi stayed anonymous. You know, I guess he kind of knew they were going to come after him any way they can. True visionary, that guy. True visionary. But yeah, that that kind of had me wondering. But we'll see how this plays out, man. It's not in our control. We're just sitting on the sidelines watching with popcorn in our mouths and probably choking at this point because we were looking for water and no one wants to throw us water. But anyways, let me get off my soapbox again. Cardano at seven cents. Cardano spiked up, but now it's went back down. So I don't know. People are still wondering what's going to happen. Coinbase 5. People are still wondering. I don't know, man. I haven't been predicting these Coinbase fives very, very good at all. So don't listen to me. That's for sure. Uh, but I will say, man, let's hope they still go after these these set of coins that they're looking at. Let's hope they go after Zcash or Light or 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 Stellar or Cardano. Let's hope they go after them because um, if they just go ahead and move on to the rest of the of the cryptocurrency market, like then at that point, what can we do? Like. Like what happens tomorrow, let's say, you know, it won't happen tomorrow because they haven't did a maintenance window. But let's say like here in the near future, they just automatically say, we're going to add, um, let's, oh, my go. Uh, because it's an ERC-20 token. It's very easy for us to add it. Like if they do that, what happened to Stellar, Cardano, and Zcash? Do those still get released? I mean, we don't know about that stuff. We, we just don't. So I don't know, man. This whole... This whole space is, is becoming very hard to predict these days, but um, it is what it is. We'll get through it. $214 billion. Am I still bullish in November? You're damn right I'm still bullish in November. I'm not getting away from, from that bull. I'm staying bullish, man. I'm not worried. I'm not worried, man. I even told you I'm not going to worry until we get to November, November, and if it goes down... Then, yeah, all hell breaks loose. But the more I have been thinking about this, like the more I want to buy more and more Bitcoin at this point, I'm like super bullish on Bitcoin, super bullish. But I, I just I just during this winter, you really want to stay in the top 20, at least for me. That's what I do. Right. I'm not buying so many different alts at this point. I'm sticking to what has value and what has utility. And if there's actual people behind the scenes actually working on this every day. And um, some of the projects that I'm looking at, of course, you already know Stellar and, of course, you already know Bitcoin, Ethereum, 
you know, very bullish on Cardano. I think Cardano has something. And uh, yeah, I'm still holding on some, some on some Tron. Do I think, you know, anything will come up of Justin's son? Who knows, man? The guy's a wild card. He's always been 50-50. I don't know. I really don't. Ethereum Classic, I'm bullish on Ethereum Classic. I'm bullish on Mana. I'm bullish on 0x. I do like Omai's Go. I, I know I've criticized it in the past. I just thought it was overvalued, and I was right. Everybody was right on this stuff. It's 0x. I'm bullish on that too, man. And then, you know what's kind of scary is um, one particular... Uh, crypto that probably going to get hit up next and i wouldn't be surprised if they go after auger man like auger's not really i mean go listen to our podcast we cover auger but auger has potentially bigger capabilities of (laughs) not destroying the world i'm sure people have talked about that in the past of auger but it really has the capability of becoming you know, this real world betting platform, like in real time. Um, and it's very Black Mirror-ish, right? Um, it's, 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 it, it, it could be big. It could be really big. And what happens when, when that, when that platform makes its first mistake or, you know, you know, God forbid something tragic happens on it, right? Um, do they go after the founders of Augur who created it or do, do they go after the people that, did the actual bidding uh, i don't know like these this is a fine like third like the sec is going down a dark not a dark path they're going down <laughs> watch my words they're, they're going down a very you know narrow path and and where is that line drawn at a certain point do authorities get involved like what happens this is all going to play out in real time, man. It's going to get worse before it gets better here in the short term when it comes to the SEC and other 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 cryptocurrencies being incompliant. Um, yeah, I really do think we're coming up on this Act 2 that we're in and then maybe leads into an Act 3 or an Act 4. Who knows who they're going to go after then? I mean, gosh, man, it kind of it's kind of scary just to think of it. And I know you're probably like, damn, Car, why do you got to say stuff? Well, I'm just, I'm just keeping you informed, man. I'm not trying to scare you. I just... Just wanted want you to know the possibilities, man. If I don't tell you my at least I don't tell you my logic behind it, like I don't know who else is going to tell you that. Um, definitely won't be the project. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. And you know, it kind of sucks too because Wanchain just showed us a decentralized exchange at the Texas Bitcoin conference, like a working a working platform from Wanchain on a decentralized exchange. And even Ravencoin is going to build something out to where you can put securities on Ravencoin. And who knows, man? Who knows where this goes? Where does the line fall? And until they really come out with some really clear clarity on decentralized exchanges, I mean, they really need to do something about that, man. Like you can't just because there's going to be future innovations in the space, like future stuff, like stuff that we can't even think of right now that's going to come out. It's going to be a really cool idea, but it's going to get stomped on by the SEC. That's uh, not cool. Like, eventually, does Decentraland become <laughs> become a part of whatever real estate, <laughs> whatever real estate conglomerate that controls that? Sent you know that kind of uh, you have to have a real estate license for this, and you know, does that do? Do they try to fit that old world into this new world? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it becomes something like that. Like, are you really going to force this old world to come into this new world and and regulate it? Like, does you know what I mean? Like. It's a very tricky, it's a very tricky kind of path to walk down. And I feel like at this point, they don't have their firm hands on the ball or where which which way they think it's gonna get passed to. Like they're they're keeping up. Keeping up, but 
Can you keep up forever on this stuff? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, and I think that's it. I think that's all we got. Everything else is down for the most part. You know, there is one token, and I really don't want saying, saying you know, because there's, there's obvious ones that you see every now and then that's just gone ridiculously up. Like, this one's up 48%. It's at $1.47 now, and it's obviously a pump and dump, right? Obvious a pump and dump, or it's probably a spork or something. Uh, but at this point, it's kind of like, do we really want to, do I really want to talk about this coin just to give it more attention than it needs? Just take a look at the coin market cap. It's the only one that's up like 50%. I just, I'm looking at it right now, and it looks totally, yeah, it doesn't look as legit. I mean, but... I've just become very negative when it comes to really low, really low quality alts at this point, uh, especially when they don't have any utility whatsoever or they're just making promises or it's obvious a pump and dump. Yeah. Anyways, let's get into our main topic. 20 million. That's right. Bitcoin, 20 million in our main topic starting out.
Bitcoin. Bitcoin is like gold in many ways. Like gold, Bitcoin cannot simply be created arbitrarily. Gold must be mined out of the ground, and Bitcoin must be mined via digital means. You're probably asking yourself, why was 21 million picked as the number of Bitcoins to be created? Why did Satoshi pick that number, 21? Well, there is a mathematical explanation. If you calculate the number of blocks per four-year cycle, you get six blocks per hour, 24 hours per day, 365 days per year, four years per cycle, 210,240 blocks. If you sum up all the block reward sizes, you get 50 plus 25 plus 12.5 plus 6.25 plus 3.125 equals 100. You multiply the two together, 210,000 times 100 equals 21 million. Economically, because the currency is effectively indefinitely divisible, then the price amount doesn't matter as long as the limit remains fixed. Um, the supply of Bitcoin is determined algorithmically based on a geometrically declining supply function, meaning that in the beginning, every 10 minutes, 50 new Bitcoin are created. So every block, the heartbeat, 10 minutes, created 50 new Bitcoin. This Bitcoin is used as a reward in a game theory-based security model that ensures that every transaction is independently validated by completely anonymous actors, who have to stake electricity as a guarantee of the security work they have done. And if they succeed in doing the security work of validating transactions correctly, they earn as a reward, based on a probabilistic return, that reward. 50 Bitcoin every 10 minutes. That's how currency is introduced into the economy. Every four years, it gets cut in half. You're probably asking, how many Bitcoins are there? Well, currently there are 17.3 million Bitcoins in circulation right now. Only 21 million Bitcoins will ever exist, which means there are just 3.7 million Bitcoins left to be created, or mined. However, the question of how many Bitcoins are there is much more complicated. Millions have been lost or stolen, making it difficult to pinpoint how many Bitcoins are left. But for argument's sake, 21 million is the maximum number of Bitcoins that will ever exist. 17.3 million number of Bitcoins currently in circulation. 3.7 million number of Bitcoins left to be mined. 4 million Bitcoins are lost forever. In the early days of Bitcoin, millions were accidentally lost. They were forgotten on hard drives or lost on paper wallets. One man threw away 7,500 Bitcoins on an old hard drive. It is estimated that up to 3.79 million Bitcoins are gone forever, almost a quarter of those currently in circulation. That's $23.9 billion worth of Bitcoin based on today's price. But there's more. 5 million Bitcoins are held by a handful of well investors. Then there are the enormous hordes of Bitcoin stashed away by early investors. According to chain analysis, 5 million Bitcoins belong to just 1,600 wealthy people. 
they are known as whales because they own enough Bitcoin to make a splash on the market when they buy or sell. The biggest whale of them all is, that's right, the founder, Satoshi Nakamoto. It is estimated to have nearly 1 million Bitcoins in his digital wallet. And the Winklevoss twins own 1% of all Bitcoin in circulation. So if we take into account 4 million lost Bitcoins and 5 million well Bitcoins, that only leaves about 8 million Bitcoins left on the open market. I think the myth of Satoshi Nakamoto is one that can cause some confusion, especially to new people in the space. And primary, primarily the reason for that is because in currencies that are centrally controlled, who has the control is vitally important. Uh, there is an authority of the central issuer of the currency, and the value of the currency is based on that authority. In cryptocurrencies that derive their power and trust from an algorithm, the authority of the issuer is really irrelevant. The authority of the creator of the currency is really completely irrelevant. Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are based on math. Who invented the specific equation or who discovered the combination of technologies that work together to create this cryptocurrency and make it resilient uh, really has nothing to do with its future. Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto has no more control over the currency than I do. And I know this because I can read the source code, so it doesn't matter who Satoshi is. It matters to me as much as it matters who Euclid was. We don't really know who Euclid was, <laughs> you know. Um, we don't really know who Archimedes was. We have these snippets of historic documents, uh, which actually probably confuse several different scientists who existed over approximately the same period and around the same century and around the same geography. Even if you only look at Bitcoin, because I think we need to look more broadly at other cryptocurrencies where we do know the inventors and they're based on the same idea, but they're just rehashing that concept in different ways. Like for example, with Litecoin, you know, it's Charlie Lee. I've met him several times. He's, uh, you know, he's someone you can point to and say he invented Litecoin. It's based on the same invention as Satoshi's, but it's a different one. Does it matter who Satoshi is? No, because Satoshi has no control. But does it provide endless fascination for the media? Of course. Primarily because the media are uh, accustomed to narratives that have a centralized actor. And because centralized systems depend on the motives of these actors, the first question they ask when you ask them about the stability of a system is who is the actor at the center of it and can they be trusted? It's very difficult for them to understand a narrative where there is no actor at the center of it. There is an inventor, but that inventor has no power over the system and no influence of it. But they revert to the same narrative, the narrative of, of leaders, of actors, of controllers. Um, and that narrative is much easier to explain. You have to put a human face on Bitcoin and there is no human face for Bitcoin. But I totally understand the motivations that Satoshi Nakamoto had as well. I like to think of it similarly to the myth of Prometheus. Prometheus who took fire from the gods and gave it to man. And for that transgression, he was punished with eternal torment 
tied to a rock and having his liver eaten by an eagle every day, uh, which is you know a way for the ancient Greeks to express the hubris of the gods when their power is taken away. When you offend power, it retaliates. And the one thing I do know about Satoshi is that had he or she or they not disappeared, um, they would have been smeared. They would have been made to discredit Bitcoin. They would have had their background endlessly scrutinized, their motivation endlessly scrutinized. The needs of the narrative of a centralized actor would have chewed up their life and destroyed them, uh, because they would have simultaneously created a most disruptive technology that would offend so many interests. That would have plenty of motivation to smear them, but at the same time, they would also have come into quite a big chunk of money that would make them a target for all kinds of nefarious people uh, who would want a piece of that money. Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto is simultaneously a revolutionary and a lottery winner, and both of those have very bad times in their lives um, because they get. Um, they get enormous scrutiny and they get enormous negative attention from many, many people. I think Satoshi Nakamoto uh, did the smartest thing they could do and disappeared. And um, we may never find out who Satoshi Nakamoto was. Um, I like to think that when I go to a conference, Satoshi Nakamoto is there and she's pretending to be one of the audience. The plan was in full effect. Bitcoin creation is halved every four years. When Bitcoin was first created, miners were rewarded 50 Bitcoins for every block. That reward is halved roughly every four years. It was halved in 2012 to 25 Bitcoin, and then again in 2016 to 12.5 Bitcoin. In other words, supply of Bitcoins will become increasingly limited after 64 halvings will hit the 21 million Bitcoin cap. At this point, no more Bitcoins will be created. But what happens when all Bitcoins are mined? When we finally hit that 20 million cap, we will no longer be rewarded directly for processing that block. Instead, miners will be paid a transaction fee for each block they process. In other words, miners will still receive a payment or incentive to maintain the blockchain. Bitcoin is scarce. Only 21 million will ever exist. 21 million. And with that, let's get on to the end of the show.
It's uh, it's scarcity that makes me bullish on Bitcoin these days. As time moves forward, as more and more people start realizing the impact that Bitcoin will have in the future, I become bullish. Not only that, but I do believe that Bitcoin can truly change the entire fucking world. So bye. See you next week. This is the end of the show.